0: to Rookie Road Cycling. If road cycling is your new hobby, and you want to be better informed to get more out of it, then this is the place for you. I'm Lexi Rose, and thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're going to be talking about what distances you might think about doing, and what speeds you might aim for, and mixing up a little bit so you get the most out of it. I'll also talk a little bit more about route planning and stops, and stuff that I didn't talk about on Monday, and things that relate to distance and speed. So how far should you aim to go when you're starting? Well, it depends a bit on your fitness and a bit about what you want to do. I find for a shorter outing, or when I'm trying to fit something in before or after work, actually just an hour or an hour and a half or so is pretty good. And then for weekend rides, then do something a bit longer. So for the hour or hour and a bit, let's say, um, depending on terrain, how much stopping at junctions you have to do, and depending on your fitness, you may do something around, let's say, 20 kilometres, and then a longer ride, if you're looking at going out for two to three hours maybe, then you may aim for, say, 50 kilometres, and you may fit in a short stop within that time too. Of course, if you already have pretty good fitness, then you'll be more geared up to going a bit further and going a bit faster. But one of the benefits of riding solo is that you can easily adapt speed and distance to exactly what you want to do and how you're feeling on the day. And as I said in the previous episode, you can have maybe a couple of options and then pick what suits you. So get comfortable and get happy with this before taking on anything more. Just enjoy it. And, you know, you don't want to be doing anything that's going to put you off. And remember, it's about having fun and building up gradually is quite important. Actually, one thing to note, and this is particular to the UK and certain other peculiar countries, sometimes we're imperial and sometimes we're metric, and we switch randomly and freely with no particular logic. Uh, But on the whole, it's more about kilometres, unless we're talking about 100 miles, obviously. For example, if you were to look at different ability club rides, they may state roughly what average speed a particular group will go at, and this is often done in miles per hour. Uh, The lower speed groups maybe will do 14 miles per hour, maybe a group at 16, one at 18 and then maybe a quick group at say 20 miles per hour, something like that, which roughly translates as between 22 and 32 kilometers per hour. So don't get that mixed up. Um, It's handy to be able to convert Even though the only time we're really confident about the conversion is when it's a really easy one. When, you know, you need to, say, convert 50 miles into kilometres. And you're like, I know this one, it's 80 kilometres. Because the rest of the time, well, from miles to kilometres, it's a case of sort of doubling it and then trying to take off a bit less than half of what you've just added. Uh, Because multiplying by 1.6 is too tricky for most of us. And we talk about weight in stones now that's a funny one. It is literally the weight of a stone, like used in as a unit of weight in trade in the olden days. So it was completely variable depending on the size of the local stone or rock that was chosen, and we still use that now. What? Um, although at least now it's pretty much agreed that a stone is equivalent to fourteen pounds. Well, I say that. I mean, we're pretty happy with kilos now. I think although I do still find myself translating it into stones. I don't know why. Anyway, enough of that. Back on track. Uh, We were talking about speed. Okay. Yeah. As I just indicated, then you may be doing something like 15 to 20 kilometers per hour if you're just starting out, or if your current fitness is pretty good, then it will be something more like 20 to 25 kilometers per hour or possibly more. But whatever it is, it's good to just have an approximate idea and then obviously once you've been out a bit, you'll know what you're capable of and obviously that will differ depending on whether you're doing a shorter and speedier ride or something a bit longer and of course taking into account stops and terrain and so on. It's just good to get familiar with what you can do and that makes planning a bit easier or of course important information if you're planning on riding with others. So longer distances, uh, that will come at some stage when you're ready for it. That big milestone and major achievement of either the 100 kilometres or the 100 miles. Uh, And in fact, now it is only two weeks, two weeks on Sunday until the RAFA Women's 100, um, an event where many women will be completing their first 100 kilometres, made more difficult this year, of course, because there are no official group events across the country, as is the norm but people are cycling alone in the so-called invisible peloton. Um, I'll be doing it. I'm sort of mid-route planning at the moment on that one. Uh, Rafa have done a great job this year of promoting it under pretty tricky circumstances. But yeah, so longer distances, that can definitely be more difficult alone. Whilst I cycle alone a lot, I'm generally doing less than 50 kilometres. Rarely do I take on something like 100 kilometres of solo cycling, so it's tough but it's achievable and something to work up to. Actually it's just been announced uh by British Cycling that sportives and other non-competitive events can resume in England from sun uh sorry Saturday, Saturday the 5th of September with events initially capped at 600 riders and several other restrictions. Uh, quite how that will affect events that were due to happen after that date, but that have been cancelled or heavily modified, like the RAFA Women's 100. Uh, I don't know, maybe some of them that are further into the future may be reinstated. Anyway, it's good that sportives are back, they're really fun to do from time to time. So other things to consider when out riding. Pacing yourself is important, especially on a longer ride. Um, It sounds obvious, but remember that your strength and power and freshness of your legs will gradually reduce as the ride goes on. Sometimes a mistake I think people make when they take a step up in distance, you know, oh, 100 kilometres, well, that's okay. It's only an extra 30 or 40 kilometres from from what I'm used to doing. Well, yes, but that 30 or 40 kilometres is when your body is, is at its most tired and only getting tireder. Um, Of course, nutrition and refuelling will help with that, but even so. Also, mindset is important. Um, For example, I find it sometimes takes me a good 20 minutes or more to get into a ride. I often spend much of the first part of a ride feeling tired and wondering how I'm going to get round and do the distance, but then I settle into it and I pick up after that. It happens not every time, but a lot. Um, I find that it takes me about 20 or 30 minutes to settle into a ride and get beyond that tricky starting phase and into a sustainable rhythm. And that's particularly true of a longer ride. But then psychologically, I sometimes also feel like the shortest rides feel the longest. And I think that's, yeah, to do with mindset. I think if I'm heading out thinking, oh, this is just a short one and I'll be done and on the loop home soon. And then I'm kind of clock watching and it just seems to drag on. Whereas with longer rides, you have a totally different mindset. Um, I actively tell myself several times over the first hour or so that I just need to relax and settle into it. And I'm very much just in the warm up phase of the ride. And then the time can often pass much more easily until of course, you're well into the ride when you start getting tired and the the time does start to drag on a bit. One other thing to note, uh, more on route planning, really. Why not do the same route in reverse? It looks totally different. Well, I don't know if this is just me, actually, but I'm still a little bit baffled by it. But I could be somewhere different entirely. When I'm doing a familiar route in reverse, there are huge sections that are almost completely unrecognisable to me. (laughs) Maybe it's just me, though. I don't know. It's also good to set goals along the way. Um, Maybe you'll do a little effort on the flat. Maybe there's a nice clear section you can get down into the drops for a bit. Or a goal say when you get into a particular time or a distance or a location and you can take on some energy. But whatever it is, it's just nice to break up the outing a little bit. Or maybe you'll do an effort on a hill. I also find it a good distraction to do some counting on hills. I almost always count myself up hills. Uh, usually I like to do at least some of the climb out of the saddle and I always count that bit, you know, like one count is one or maybe two full pedal revolutions and I set myself the goal of climbing up out of the saddle for a count of 30 or something and then back into the saddle. I always feel like a hill is a mental game and I guess the counting is sort of a distraction and partly a little goal to aim for. Although that said, unless you're particularly keen to do a hill effort, then the most efficient way to get up a hill is to take it fairly steady. So go into the bottom of the hill with some momentum, then settle into a sustainable pace and cadence that you can keep ticking over, and then power up over the top. That, I think, is the best way to tackle them. Okay, so we've talked a bit about distances and speeds, and also mixing it up. There are different skills there. So endurance and stamina versus speed and power. But one thing I wanted to highlight alongside all that are the benefits of solo cycling when it comes to this. So you can go when you want, you can go where you want, you can reroute if you want, you can stop where and when you want. You can go fast and go slow when you want. You can do intervals and do efforts when you want. You can stop to take nice photos and admire the view when you want. It's just really good me time. But that said, I do really, really look forward to riding in a group. I love going back to Bath and cycling with the club there, which is actually still my main club. Um, I haven't yet joined a club in London. The social side of club riding can be great and, you know, sharing of knowledge. And it is also just really nice to have company from time to time, of course. Also riding with better cyclists, that does of course encourage you to push yourself a bit more and improve your fitness and both your speed and endurance. So yeah, there are many benefits of being part of a club, but I do still get so much out of solo cycling. Even when I was living in Bath and there were club outings, you know, every Saturday and every Sunday, I tend to join up with the club for a speedier ride on Saturday, um, along with a very extended coffee stop afterwards, usually longer than the cycling itself, um, and then do my own thing on Sunday. Okay, so a bit more on the planning side of things. So taking a warm layer, like if there's any slight possibility that you may need one and check the forecast. Not only for where you are, but also where you're going. It can be different. Um, The worst thing is to get too cold. It's very miserable, especially when you're alone. And one very important thing about the forecast check the wind forecast. I think I pay more attention to the wind speeds than I do to the temperature or precipitation. Um, Well, no, that's not quite true. The temperature tells me what I need to wear, the chance of rain tells me also what I need to wear and can sometimes prevent me from going out, but high wind speeds will tell me when not to go out. It's horrible cycling when it's really windy, it just feels hard work and it's actually quite dangerous, particularly in like a strong blustery side wind, that is just the worst. And to give you a rough guide that I would use, so when it's less than 10 miles per hour, that's perfect. Um, 10 to 20 miles per hour is okay, 20 to 30 is windy, but I'd probably still go and over 30 miles per hour, I just wouldn't bother. Okay, so fueling up, a good idea to do that, of course, the evening before, but then also take snacks with you, Uh, not only because you'll need it, but also it's nice to have something to look forward to. Eat and drink little and often and something that I've picked up a lot on recently, do that before you need it. I was slow to learn this, um, but actually it also helps stopping you eating masses when you get home and then crashing for the rest of the day. Um, I always used to just not take on enough fuel when I was out. Then I'd get home, have a good go at eating everything I could all at once, and then crash in a big sort of digestive coma for several hours. Not great, and just writes off way too much of a precious weekend. Okay, so something else. Drinking on the move. Took me a little while to get comfortable with this. Uh, It just falls into the same skill category, I guess, as hand signalling and being able to ride one-handed. It just takes a bit of practice and some cautious confidence building. I'm actually still a little bit envious of people that seem to be able to cycle with no hands. Um, I see it quite a lot in London, actually. More the casual cyclists, I suppose ambling along, you know, just sort of looking around, not only with their hands not on the handlebars, but quite often just hands in their pockets, not a care in the world, easy as you like. And it's, it is slightly terrifying. I definitely don't recommend trying that. Stopping en route. Uh, Okay, so I mentioned in the previous podcast about cafe stops. Um, But even if you don't want to do that, and sometimes I guess if you're on your own, you may not want to, But you can just stop for a breather for five minutes or obviously longer if the weather's nice. Get off the bike and pause for some energy. And there's some really good energy sources out there. Um, Nutrition is something that has really improved over recent years, I think. So much science goes into this stuff and there's still some bad ones out there for sure. But there's some really good stuff out there now too, like really tasty things. Um, And yeah, it's just nice to take some minutes out to enjoy where you are and press reset a bit. But, of course, this is slightly route and weather dependent. And in the last podcast, we also talked about the importance of taking a pump, an inner tube and tyre levers, also a cafe lock, and also a small multi-tool might help you out too, so that's good to take. A final, slightly random thing, but I would be amazed if you don't encounter this from time to time, and that's passing horses. Something interesting that was actually brought to my attention a couple of weeks back a cyclist actually thought to ask a horse rider, what should we do when passing you? And the answer was, um, well, ring your bell or call out before passing. It's bad if the first thing they know of you is you going past. Um, Horses don't like that. And we often share nice, peaceful country lanes with horses. So let's be kind to them. Okay, then a brief summary. So Head out for an hour or so, or plan a route of about 20 to 25 kilometres, more if you know you're capable, and see how it goes. Mix up your sessions, do some shorter speedier ones and longer steadier ones, just get an idea of what you're capable of, and don't forget to factor elevation into that, but build up gradually to longer distances, and remember that this is all meant to be fun. Listen to what your head is telling you, and listen to what your body is telling you, and pace yourself. Set a few goals, do a few little efforts or set breaks at certain locations or distances and take enough fluid and take some energy and remember to refuel little and often. Check the weather and check the wind and dress accordingly uh, and take a layer if in any doubt. So enjoy your solo cycling but remember that group riding can be fun too. Well, that's it for this episode. Don't forget to tune in for Monday's podcast, which will be on jackets and jerseys. So yes, we're moving into the kit category. Uh, I just want to mention some of the options available and some of the key pieces of kit for your top half. And then the next podcast after that is about your bottom half. So thanks for listening. Hope you've got something to take away. Don't forget to tell people, share our love for cycling please follow us on Facebook and Instagram and you can also find us on LinkedIn and of course on the website cyclebean.cc. Stay safe rookie roadies, see you next time.